Well, when you really think about what we as human beings are driven to pursue in our lives, it ultimately comes down to one word, fulfillment. I mean, we're looking for fulfillment. We want people to love us because without that we only experience emptiness. We want people to recognize us and things we do because without that we experience that that sense of emptiness, of meaninglessness. And the, the bottom line is there's nothing we hate more than to feel like our life's really not counting, like we're not making a difference, like we're just existing and then leaving and there was no point to life at all. And yet This is where most people go wrong in how they pursue fulfillment in their lives. They try to find fulfillment by getting more and more and more for themselves. And and it's a natural thing to try and fill the emptiness, to try and find meeting by, by trying to get more and more attention, get more and more stuff, get more and more power. I mean, that's just natural to to try and get it through selfishness. And I, and I have to tell you, there's no one that Roxanne and I love more than our grandchildren. And, you know, I mean, we actually love to spend time with them at least once a month. We try and have a sleepover with our grandkids. And this sleepover happened, you know, Friday night of this week. And it was great. It was fine. It was wonderful. But, you know, it just reminds me time and time again, as much as I love them, how selfish they are. I mean, they're little selfish brats. They're cuter than your selfish brats. I love them more than your selfish brats, but they're selfish. Kids are selfish by nature, right? And you know what the problem is? Kids grow up and you know what doesn't go away? Selfishness. I mean, it's just our nature. We're, we're trying to fill the emptiness and find our meaning through getting more and more and more and more. You see, we're wired to have fulfillment, but we're not wired to find it by getting. In fact, God tells us we'll find fulfillment in the opposite way that we go by nature. Not through selfishness, but through unselfishness. Not by getting, but by giving. This weekend, we're looking at one of the most important, and yet, if we're really honest, hardest truths for we human beings to embrace, to engage, to really buy into. And, and because it's so difficult and hard, even though it's important, most people tend to try and look past it, ignore it, and even reject it as a concept in their life. We, we try and rationalize why it's not important for us, but in so doing, we ultimately set aside the only pathway for finding what we're all longing for, fulfillment. Here's the truth this weekend as we continue in this series called All All In. Giving is vital to our relationship with God. Now, everybody tries to find shortcuts around it. Everybody tries to find rationalizations to discount it. but, But giving is absolutely vital to our relationship with God. And there's no way around that truth. And if we don't engage that truth, we'll miss what we're longing for and looking for. A relationship with God that ultimately brings us fulfillment. God himself said it to the church at Corinth. They were, they were really engaging a lot of areas of their spiritual journey. They really were being impacted in their spiritual life, but they were, they were trying to, to shortcut around the idea of giving. They were trying to do everything but. 
And so God finally addressed it head on in 2 Corinthians 8, 7. And he said, just as you excel in everything, I mean, you're growing spiritually in your faith, in, in your speech, in your kind of conversations, in your knowledge, in what you think and know, in your passion and in your love for us. I mean, you're really engaging the spiritual life in a big way, but don't miss this. You must also excel in this grace of giving. God makes it clear. Giving is not something to be ignored. If we're going to have a strong and vibrant relationship with God, if we're going to experience his transformational touch in our lives, giving has to become a part of our behavior. And a lot of people don't know, why is giving so important? Well, let me just give you a couple of reasons before we get into some compelling motivations for doing it. And the first reason giving is so vital to our relationship with God is that It ultimately, more than anything else, reveals our view. Giving reveals our view. And by that I mean, it reveals our view of ownership. Giving clearly reveals whether we see ourselves as the owner of all we have, or we see God as the owner of all we have. Giving reveals that. If we're holding on to it all and we're hoarding it, we're consuming it, and even though God says we should be generous in giving, we don't give, it's because we see ourselves as the owner of what he's given us. Whereas if we're generous in giving, we see him as the owner. It just boils down to that clear fact. David was a man after God's own heart, a very strong spiritual guy, flawed, failed, but ultimately defined by a heart after God. And it was because he had the right view. He knew he wasn't the owner of his power as king. He knew he wasn't the owner of his privilege and opportunity to be king. He knew he wasn't the owner of the prosperity that God had given him. God was the owner. Look at 1 Chronicles 29. I'll just do a couple of verses starting with verse 11. Oh Lord, this is David in a prayer. Oh Lord, everything in heaven and earth is yours. Now there's an operative word in that sentence. Everything. He didn't say, some things, the stuff that I don't have, that's yours. He said, everything in heaven and earth is yours. You're the owner. And then he he said he had just given a huge offering and people were celebrating him for the unbelievable sacrifice of giving he went through. And he says, who am I, God? And who are my people, the people who also have been generous, that we should be able to give as generously as we have? Because it's really no big thing when you think about it, he's saying. Everything comes from you, God, and we've only given you what what you gave to us. He's saying, why do we pat each other on the back for what great givers we are when we are, when it's God who's given it to us, and it's God who owns it? You know, if you give me $100 and ask me to give it to someone else... When I give that $100 to someone else and they say, you're awesome, thanks, wouldn't you think I was a jerk if I said, you're welcome? I mean, aren't I supposed to say, you know, it's really not mine. I mean, someone gave me that and they told me to give it to you. But we celebrate ourselves when it's really God's. No, this is God's. And David understood that. He knew that God was the owner and he was just managing God's stuff. And when God wanted him to invest in something, be generous in something, or give something, he was like, okay, God, it's your stuff. Here you go. It's those people who confuse ownership that can't give. And that's the majority of people in the world. Our view of ownership is a big deal. 
Hey, let me give you an illustration that's really helped me. Um, I think one of the more spiritual experiences in life can come from eating at McDonald's. Um, I, I really do. It's spiritual because every time you eat at McDonald's, you're much closer to stepping into eternity. It's a, it's a spiritual experience. But, but, but let's, let's just imagine that you're going to McDonald's with with your own child, or in my case, it would be a grandchild, and, and you, you buy them, you know, one of those combination things with, you know, Big Mac or Quarter Pound or whatever you buy them, and, and then, you, then you order with it an ungodly jumbo-sized fry for these kids, right? That's what you give them. And then, if you're like me, you're a little bit more concerned about your health. And so when I would go to McDonald's and do this with the kids, I would order myself, like, a grilled chicken, hold the mayo. Give me cardboard, please, to go. I mean, that's kind of how it is. Grilled chicken, no mayo, you know, it's just, that's about the healthiest thing I can find there. And then I'll say, hold the fries, give me fruit. And then I sit down with my grandkids, and the entire time, I mean, we sit down, I'm... I'm eating my cardboard and I'm watching them eat the fries. And ultimately, what am I going to do? I'm, I'm sorry, I'm grabbing a couple of fries. That's just what it is. That's going to happen. This is universal. And what immediately happens when I start to grab their fries? What, what happens? They scream, those are all the glass in McDonald's breaks because of the shrill and I mean it's a crazy crazy deal right I need you to know I don't cuss a lot but in moments like that I want to let the blue language fly I mean I'm just telling you that ticks me off and it ticks me off for a couple of reasons it ticks me off first of all because who bought the fries I bought those fries That's a big deal with me. You know, I look at them and go, without me, not only would there not be blood in your veins, but without me, you wouldn't have those fries. And there's a second reason I get ticked off when they get mad at me reaching over to take a couple of their fries. And it's because I know that I ultimately control the fries. I'm in control. I can give them fries, not give them fries. Take them to McDonald's, not take them to McDonald's. I mean, I, in fact, when I buy the fries, listen closely. When I buy the fries, I become the Lord of the fries. You've got to admit that was really good. I mean, seriously. Really. And if I wanted to take the fries away from them and never let them eat fries again for the rest of of my life, I could do it. On the other hand, I could go and buy them four more jumbo fries. Give me a couple fries, I'll buy you another jumbo because I'm the Lord of the fries. It's just the way it goes. In truth, It's grace, my grace, my goodness, as their pop-pop, that allows them to have fries in the first place. And if they respond to me in a positive, grateful way, 
pop up. Take all the fries you want. It gets us closer to our inheritance. If they say something like that. <laughs> then there are a lot more fries where those came from. Here's the bottom line I want you to see. I don't need their fries. I can buy as many fries as I want. The reason it disturbs me when they won't share their fries with me is because what it says about their heart. I mean, who wants kids to be selfish? Who wants their kids to take and take and take with never wanting to share themselves? Who wants their kids to act like their owners when they're just tenants? Who wants that? No one. Well, here's the bottom line. That's what giving is all about when it comes to God. He certainly doesn't need what we can give him. He's not up there going, oh, please send me a fry. He's not doing that. After all, he's the one who gave us all we have in the first place. He's in control of everything. Can I just say it? He's the Lord of the fries. He's in control and if he wants to give us a hundred times more than he has, he will. If he wants to take a hundred times more away from us, he can. Because he's in control. The reason he wants us to learn to give is not because of his great need. But it's because it's a matter of our heart. He wants his children, us, to be unselfish, to be grateful. He wants his children to remember that he will always take good care of them. He wants his children to remember that he is the owner and they're just the tenants. They're just managing his stuff. He doesn't want us to forget that we're supposed to be stewarding, managing his stuff in a way that shows the world his goodness and his generosity. When he asks us to to give why would we be upset about that when he asks us to give why would we be selfish when he asks us to give why would we refuse to give if we really believed and understood that it was all his anyway you realize if we really believed it was all his when he asked us to give we wouldn't have any problem with it if we really understood it was all his when he said hey look it give 10% of it minimum to my work to the church where I call you I mean just give 10% of it that way if we really understood it was all his wouldn't we go I get to play with 90 But we don't respond that way. Why? Because we have fallen into the trap of believing that it's not his but. And we're wrong. And it's killing us. It's robbing us of everything he wants for us. We're the selfish little brats who won't share our fries. With the one who's given us everything. Isn't it indicting? It is to me. Giving's important for our relationship with God, not just because it reveals our view, but because it reveals our values. It reveals what we value. When, when my grandkids, and I'm serious, it really does tick me off. And, you know, 
as I've learned in the movies, you won't like me when I'm angry. I mean, it's like it's... When they value a fry more than they value me, it hurts, actually. It's disappointing. And our giving reveals our values. Look at Matthew 6, 24. Jesus says it. No one can serve two masters. Either he'll hate the one and love the other or he'll be devoted to the one and despise the other. You can't serve both God and money. You can't value both equally. You can't do it. And when we refuse to give, we're saying, God, we like your gifts. We just don't like you so much. It reveals our values. Giving's important to our relationship with God and our spiritual lives because it also reveals our faith. Faith is something easy to talk about. Churchy people... Religious people, man, they throw the word faith out like they're, you know, they've got a hundred bushels of faith. Yeah, just trust God, just believe God, you know, I mean, and it's so easy for them to tell other people. You go to a, a place where someone's suffering, you go, all things work together for good, gotta trust God. Don't you love this cliche junk? Come to funerals, it's okay, they're on the other side. Yeah, it's okay, sure. But when it comes right down to it, their giving reveals whether they really trust God at all or not. Because it reveals our faith. Look at Malachi chapter 3 verse 10. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse. Just so you know, a tithe is a biblical concept that goes from beginning to end. And it's where God says, look at, since I'm the provider of all things, the minimum I want you to ever consider giving is a tenth of what I provide you. It's all mine. You can play with 90%. And if you want to be more generous, that'd be awesome. That'd show your heart's really great. But I mean, tenth. It's a tithe. It's a tenth of everything he provides us with. Bring the whole tenth into the storehouse. The storehouse is that place where he calls us to worship. In the Old Testament, it was the temple. In the New Testament, it's his church. And he says, this is why I want you to bring the tithe. So there can be food in my house. Look at, I want my mission to go forward. It's the most important mission in the world. You know what Jesus is doing today? In Matthew 16, 18, he tells us, he says, I'm going to build my church and the gates of hell aren't going to prevail against it. And, and he goes, this is how I'm going to support it. This is how I'm going to go forward so, so that there can be food in the thing. That's the thing. Give a ten. And then look what he says. It's the only place in all the Bible where he says this. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that you'll not have room enough for it. And he's not talking about giving you bigger cars and bigger houses. He's saying, you test me and see if I don't flood your soul with what you're really longing for, a fullness that you can't get in any other way. You just test me. It reveals our faith. Our giving reveals our faith. Do we take him at his word or not? Is our talk about faith cheap talk or is it real? And just so we can picture it in the area of giving in the right way, I, I think, you know, it's one thing to listen to a guy up here talking about it. It's another thing to see a story, to see people living it out. Well, we found a couple, and there are many, but we found a young couple here at Northridge who are living out a story that declares the importance of giving. Watch this. We've been going to Northridge, what, six years, six and a half years. The first time we went, you know, I think the, the first thing that you notice is, geez, it's a huge church, very, very nice. We're financial advisors, so we're, we're constantly thinking about finances and money and all that stuff. I mean, we just think about that stuff. And um, I think Rachel asked me a few weeks after we started going, how much do you think this church actually brings in 
you know, in a given year. And me being like extreme left, left brain personality. Um, yeah, I'm calculating 40 million. When you're bringing in 40 million, and this is just my guess, do they really need our tithe or our 3% or our 12%? Um, not really. I mean, you got, you've got a ton of money coming in. When we got married, it was very important for me to make sure that we tithe because I knew that the income that we're bringing in is not ours, it's God's. And so to make sure that we're giving back at least 10% was extremely important. We didn't give anything for the first few years. And then we probably ratcheted up to, you know, three or 4%. It's only the last couple years that we've been at probably 10, 11%. What was crazy to me was when, you know, we, we just first found out recently that we're only bringing in 11 million. And I was just like, something's not adding up. Like, how is that possible? You know, we've got 20,000 people. This all-in series has kind of reminded us that, um, you know, hey, there's, there's another step. Like, 10% isn't the ends. That's sort of the beginning. There was just a number that was fixed in my head, like almost immediately once I understood what, what we're trying to do. And when I know I can't get out of my head, I know that's the Holy Spirit. I know that's God putting it in my head. So the goal, at least over the next couple of years, is to do a pretty big number that would probably be close to maybe 20 to 25%. This whole all-in campaign, it couldn't really have come at a, a worse time for us. With the little Bambino coming, we already have a two and a half year old. We're, we're planning on building a house in a year and I've got a lot of fear with the amount that we're going to be contributing to Northridge. The timing isn't perfect, but you know, when when is the timing perfect in anything? So even if the house dream goes off the table, it just is what it is, you know? Like, that's what we've got to do. You know, a house can't come before um, winning people to, to Christ. You know, think about all the people that you can impact and all the people that you can ultimately bring to heaven because that, that's ultimately what this money is going for, um, to save lives. I think it's important for you to know David and Rachel did not want to tell their story publicly. We had to really arm twist just a little bit and say, look, at this is a story that needs to be told. Because, see, their giving's private and personal. They're not doing it so they can get credit. But it's important that we have examples of people who are taking a journey that we can ultimately relate to. Uh, what's, what's their giving story tell you about their view? You think they have any problem with knowing that God owns what they've been given? I, I, not if they're given like that. What's their giving story tell you about their values? I, I mean, they said it. Look, at, uh, we want a house. We want to go forward. We've got a family. We've got these things. But we want people to know about Jesus more than anything else. I mean, their values are pretty clear, right? What's, your, what's their giving story tell you about their faith? I mean, they're going to trust God more than their stuff. You see, I'm not making this up. Giving tells us these things. Now, I, I can't judge you. I don't know what's going on in your life, and you can't judge me. You don't know what's going on in my life. You don't know the specifics and all that, but we can judge ourselves, right? So let's now turn this truth 
on ourselves. Not looking around at others and pointing fingers. I mean at ourselves. What does your giving story tell you about your view? I know it's easy to think that we see him as the owner. But what does your giving story tell you? He tells you to give a minimum of a tenth. If it's his stuff, you'd be doing it. Wouldn't you be doing it if it was his stuff? What's your giving story tell you about your view? Who owns it? Most of us have crept into that place where we own it. It's just a fact. We've become the selfish kids with the fries that have been given to us. What's your giving story tell you about your values? It's easy to talk about how we love God and we treasure you know, and all that stuff. But what does your giving story tell you about it? Now, you can get mad at me for asking these questions, but I'm not making you apply them to your story. It's just very revealing. And I'm telling you, this indicts me. It just really wakes me up to the reality of who I am. And what's your giving story tell you about your faith? Do you really trust God? Really? Or maybe not so much. So what I want to do is I want to get really personal and honest and Some of you just now said, oh, like it hasn't been personal and honest yet, you know? I want to get more personal and honest. Most of us can't comprehend taking that big of a step in our giving. I mean, you're lost on this thing. They're giving 20, 25% of their income, and don't don't think they're rich. They're not. Listen. Financial advisors aren't the rich ones. It's the ones investing with financial advisors. They're just really taking a big step. And most of us can't even comprehend doing a step like that. But I want you to know, nor could they until this moment. This is their next step, but it demanded that they took steps before it. And in the all-in book we've been giving, if you haven't gotten one of this, this is free. We give it to you, but it's, this is the most helpful spiritual formation tool I believe we've ever produced or given out to anyone. It's four weeks of devotionals that are just unbelievably impacting and helpful and then in it it gives all kinds of information full disclosure about Northridge Church it's how he knew we weren't getting the 40 million he thought but you know we've been only doing 11 million for about the last six years and that we do all this on that as he said is crazy and full disclosure about what's going on but on page 78 in here is a giving journey chart and I want to show it on the video so you can see it and then you can get your own get the book but I mean everybody's got a next step giving's a journey it's not a a leap and so their journey did this he said we weren't even giving it all for a while right and then it came to the place where he said well we gave for the first time that was their first step and at the first time giving they couldn't imagine being where they are now because it's a it's a thousand step journey they took their first step and that's where some of you are your next step is the first time and then they took another step they started giving occasionally and then even intentionally where he said you know we started giving maybe three four percent or something like that and regularly and consistently and then they took the next step to tithing and then they took the next step this step's extravagant it's beyond the tithe this is because they love God that much and want to tell people about Jesus that much it's a big deal for them but they've they've taken the journey and we can't imagine that what they're doing but what we have to do is we have to take our next step we're not trying to be like David and Rachel we're trying to be like Jesus we have to take our next step that's our next step now on November 22nd and 23rd We're actually going to be, in the context of our weekend services, um, 
making commitments as a church family. I mean, really taking the leap, taking our next step, making our commitments. And there's a, in this all-in book an example commitment card that's in here that you can look at and pray over and all that. And that's going to be uh, ultimately filled out and done on November 22 and 23. So that just did two things for you. It made you breathe. He's not asking for anything today. Oh, thank God. And it helped you to know you shouldn't attend on November 22nd and 23rd. <laughs> I mean, so, you know, the place will be empty. It'll be great. Roxanne and I will have a really good day. And, uh, but that'll be the day we do it. But on Wednesday night, Roxanne and I, with a small group of other leaders from Northridge Church, made our commitments Because I believe that no leader should ever challenge people to make a commitment until they've been willing to make the commitment first. I think it's absolutely disingenuous disingenuous and hypocritical for a leader to ask people to sacrifice if they're not willing to sacrifice first. And so Roxanne and I on Wednesday night stepped before you. I've been wrestling with this for a long time. And I'm going to tell you, we've been giving sacrificially for years. Roxanne and I have been giving beyond the tithe for years. But this was the biggest step that we've ever taken. As David said, he had a figure in his head, so I've had a figure in my head that God's been putting there. And, and, um, and we had to finally write it down and make our commitment. And I have to tell you, it was difficult. And, and here's what you need to know. Every step is difficult in many ways. Because you see, the step that I just took, the biggest step we've ever taken, and this isn't for bragging, it's just to be an example. We've decided we want God to be the first priority in every part of our life, including our finances, and so the biggest bill we have should be our generosity bill. And so our commitment literally has taken and made our giving to Northridge Church just about, almost, double of everything we spend in a year on housing including mortgage and utilities and everything that we would spend on housing, we have almost doubled that in our giving, which makes giving by far, almost by two times, the biggest thing in our lives. But it wasn't an easy step for us. We're just like you. But it was our next step. And I have to tell you, in my own experience, every step you are facing is equally as difficult as the one Roxanne and I just faced, but equally important because I wouldn't be making this step if I hadn't made every step before it. And some of you are contemplating your first step into giving, your first time into giving. You know, it's not something you've been in there. And and I'm going to tell you, I believe that's the hardest step because it's one thing to be on the mountain already and to be taking another step. It's another thing to be in front of the mountain saying, yeah, I want to climb that mountain. It reminds me of skydiving. I, I, I have had the privilege of skydiving. And the first time I, I jumped out of an airplane, um, my knees were knocking. My heart was beating fast. I was scared to death. And there was no way I wanted to go out that door. Only one thing made me go out the door. My son was behind me, and I didn't want him to think I was the wimp I really am. I mean, that's just kind of where it was. So I went out the door, and it became this great experience for me. Those of you who are getting ready to invest, take the next step, you you feel the same thing, knees knocking, heart pounding. But I'm going to tell you something about giving for Roxanne and me. Every step has been difficult, it's been hard, it's been hard to write it down and make the decision. But I've never regretted one step we've taken in our giving journey, not one time. Because 
God said, test me, and he's always come through. Always. You won't regret it. You know what you'll regret? Trying to fill your life with something other than him. You know what you'll regret? Being the punk who values the fries he gives more than him. That's what you'll regret. Do you know what helps Roxanne and me in our giving and people like David and Rachel in their giving? It's understanding that there's a positive impact in giving. I mean, most of us view giving as this negative thing. God's trying to take from me and ruin my life and what an awful thing and it's not true at all. There's a positive impact. So let me just share some of these things so that you can, you know, rotate them around in your mind. Here's the first thing. Do you know giving draws us closer to God? So many people are longing to be closer to God, to experience God as a reality, and you're having a hard time finding him. Look at Matthew 6, 21. These are the words of Jesus. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Realize this. Where you put your money is where your hearts are. It's just the way it is. Giving has a positive impact. It strengthens our faith. It strengthens our faith. It really does. Look at 2 Corinthians 9, 7 and 8. Each man should give what he's decided in his heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion. God loves a cheerful giver. And God, when we give, is able to make all grace abound to you so that in all things, at all times, we're going to have all we need. That's a promise he's made. And we, he wants to you know, be generous with us so that then we can abound in every good work. We can be generous with others. Here's the reality. We will never learn to trust God more until we keep putting God to the test by the next step. Each step I take, I learn I can trust him there. And then I take the next step. The only reason David and Rachel can trust him with the next step to 20, 25% is because they've learned that they could trust him at every other step they've taken. It strengthens our faith. You want to grow in your faith? Listen, start giving take your next step and I'm really excited I've already said you know talking about money and giving is not my favorite deal but I am so excited about what's going to happen in our lives as we all choose to take a next step in this giving thing because all of us are going to grow in faith and discover that God is true to his promises. Giving, it's easier for me to give when I understand that giving leads to greater opportunities for God to use me. Giving opens doors for God to use me in greater ways. Look at Luke 16, 11. If you have not been trustworthy in handling worldly wealth, who will trust you with true riches? First of all, God's saying, money isn't the real riches. There's bigger stuff in his kingdom and his program. And he's saying, but if you want me to trust you with the bigger stuff, then, man, you've got to be able to handle the little stuff like money. And if if we can't even trust him with his own money, then we certainly aren't going to be trustworthy in any other area. I believe everything I've been able to experience in life and ministry, I would have never experienced if I kept the fries all to myself. It's easier for me to give when I understand that it breaks the hold of stuff on us. Giving breaks the hold of stuff on us. And be honest, most of us are owned by our stuff and the more stuff we have, the more owned we are. 
Look at 1 Timothy 6, 17 and 18. Command those who are rich in this present world. And he's not talking about Bill Gates and those kind of people. He's talking about anyone who has more than just their daily needs. They're rich. Command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant, not to put their hope in wealth, but, which is so uncertain, but to put their hope in God. Who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. Command them to be generous and willing to share. God has no problem with us enjoying what he's given us. He wants us to enjoy the fries. He doesn't want us to be selfish with the fries. Big difference. When stuff owns us, it puts us in bondage. Giving frees us. There's so much positive to it. If you want to really learn to give, then you have to understand that giving allows you to exchange the temporary for the eternal. Giving allows you to exchange that which is only temporary for that which is eternal. Look at 1 Timothy 6, 18 and 19. Command them to do good, to be rich in good deeds, generosity, to be generous and willing to share. In this way, they're going to lay up treasure for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age so that they may take hold of the life that is truly life. I started this talk by saying everybody's looking for fulfillment, but most people are pursuing it the wrong way. Do you know how you find the life that is truly life? Through generosity, not through getting, but through giving. That's what God says. And there's something interesting in this passage that's important to get. In this way, they will lay up treasure for themselves, it says. In this way, they'll lay up treasure for themselves. That's weird, isn't it? Because when you give, doesn't it feel like you're losing, someone else is gaining? Come on. 65% of the people at Northridge, this is just a fact, don't give a dime here. Only 5% give the minimum, 10%. 5% of all 20,000 here give. That's why... You know, Dave's head was wrong in trying to figure out what Northridge existed on. And so when you, you look at that, you go, why is that? It's because giving feels like we're losing. But you know what? God says, no, 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 no. When you give to me, you're not losing. You're laying up a treasure for yourselves in heaven. You might not have known this. Listen closely. When you come to faith in Jesus, when you become a child of God, God opens a bank account in heaven for you. You can't take your money with you, but you can send it on ahead. This is true. This is, I'm not making this up. And when you give to God, he's just putting it. He's taking his money that he owns, that you're managing, and he's putting it in your bank account in heaven for you. Lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven. This is unbelievable. You know how I get to keep God's stuff? By sending it on ahead. And if you think in heaven I'm buying anything for you, you're wrong, man. Lay up your own treasures. Lay up treasures in heaven. We can exchange the temporary for the eternal. And this is a picture that really helps me. One of the most impacting moments when watching a movie that's ever happened in my life was when I was watching Schindler's List. It came out in 1993. I know it's an older movie, but it's a classic. Oscar Schindler saved about 1,100 Jewish people's lives from certain death by buying them with his own money. It actually became a pauper ultimately because he bought these Jews their lives. But at the, towards the end of the film, 
he started realizing that all these Jews had been killed, some six million, as you know, and, and he was able to save these few. And he was looking at his long-term helper, Jewish helper who ran his business, Itzhak Stern, and he said, I could have gotten more out. I threw so much money away. I could have gotten more out. He was really emotional. And Itzhak Stern tried to encourage him and said, 1,100 Jewish people are alive today because of you. Oscar, you did good work. And Schindler said, I didn't do enough. And Itzhak said, there will be generations of Jews because of what you did. And Schindler actually broke down, went a little bit nuts. And he he said, this car that I chose to keep, that could have been ten more people. This ring could have been two, maybe one more people. And he he started realizing that what he saw as valuable for was nothing in comparison with these people's lives. And he could have saved more. And then Itzhak said to him, he said, whoever saves one life saves the world entire. He quoted from the Talmud in Hebrew. And I believe that every single one of us is going to have an Oscar Schindler moment in eternity. Even those of us who are extravagant givers and we're going to realize we could have done so much more. The Wake Up, the All In campaign is all about waking the world up to Jesus. That's what it's about. It's not about us needing more organizationally. We've been living, look, we've been living within our means. We're, we're, we're very good stewards of what God gives us. But we haven't been seizing the potential God's given us to wake the world up to Jesus because we haven't had people responding with generosity like they could. And we know generosity is key to our lives changing and we know that generosity is how God moves his mission forward and so it's time for us to be challenged to step forward so we can wake the world up to Jesus because our stuff is not more valuable than the souls that Jesus died for. It's time to make the exchange. Giving is so vital because it's the pathway to God's blessing. It's it's how we experience God's blessing and I'm not talking about how we get more talking about it's not how we get more stuff it's how we get more of God look at Deuteronomy 15 10 give generously to him and do so without a grudging heart and then because of this the Lord God will bless you in all your work and in everything you put your hand to I mean so many of us aren't experiencing all there is of God because we're so selfish with what he's already given us and finally giving is so important because it results in genuine happiness This is what we're looking for, ultimately. Fulfillment, meaning, significance, happiness. Look at what Jesus said. It's more blessed to give than to receive. Acts 20, 35. You know, we live in a world of great wealth and misery. It's time we stop trying to find happiness through getting and we start realizing God's wired us up to give. And then God provides more. Here's the application. If we're going to be fully awake to Jesus... If we're going to help others wake up, if we're going to experience his fullness in our lives and help others experience his fullness, we need to learn to trust God enough to give sacrificially. We need to learn to trust God enough to give of what he's given us sacrificially. 2 Corinthians 8, 9, Jesus is the great example. You know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor so that you through his poverty might become rich. We need to trust God To give sacrificially. And when we do take that next step of sacrifice. 
we're opening the floodgates of experiencing God at deeper levels. A couple of action steps I want to give you, and then we're going to actually end this service in worship. We're going to get, we get to worship at the end. Here's the first action step. I think a lot of people, when you start talking about the importance of giving, and it's so important, and I'm not at all ashamed of talking about giving, but many people start saying, so giving's the way I build a relationship with God? And a lot of people go, you know, I grew up in religion, and it was all about you give us, and then, you know, you'll get, and all that different stuff, and that's, that's just garbage. It's just not right. Do you, do you know your giving and your working can't do anything to give you a relationship with God? Do you know what gives you a relationship with God? Jesus' work and Jesus' giving. God so loved the world he gave his son that whoever believes in him won't perish but have everlasting life. You have to trust him. Look at Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. It says, for you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ that though he was rich... Yet for, uh, that, uh, wrong verse, Ephesians 2, 8, 9, for it is by grace you've been saved through faith, and this not from yourselves, it's the gift of God, not by works that no one should boast. I mean, it's a gift. So the first action step is this. If you want to experience God in your life, you don't start with giving and serving. You start with accepting God's gift by faith. Accept God's generous gift of salvation by faith. You just have to receive it. And so before I finish this talk, bring it in for a landing and we worship, I just want to ask if you would just for a moment bow with me in a word of prayer. And as we bow, if you're here and you're, you're saying, I've not experienced God in my life, take my words in this prayer and make them yours. In your heart, just say, God, I, I want your gift. I want to know you. I want you to forgive me. I want you to give me new life. And so I'm confessing my sin and putting my faith in Jesus' death on the cross, his burial and his resurrection. I'm trusting you. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, if you just prayed with me, I really want to encourage you. Let us know. We've put together information to help you take next steps in your journey, but we have to know you prayed with me. And so in your program that we hand you, that all-in program that we gave you, all you have to do is kind of take out the perforated card. It's called a connection card here at Northridge and fill it out. And on the bottom, it says you received Jesus. You prayed with me just now. And then as you leave our services at all four of our campuses, there are boxes right outside the doors. And all you have to do is throw it in there and we'll send you that information. If you're watching online, hit the what next button and we'll do the same exact thing for you. But then it goes further. There's another action step. If we're really going to experience the fullness of God in our lives, then once we accept God's generous gift, then we have to become generous ourselves, right? That's the response. And how do we show our generosity? First, by giving ourselves fully to Christ. God wants you I mean, he's already got your stuff. It's his. He's the owner. He wants you. Look at Romans 12.1. I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. It's the only way to experience fulfillment, to give yourself fully to him. Here's the deal. We need to give all we are to all he is, and then we'll find out he's all we need. I mean, he's all we need. He's what we're looking for. Give yourself fully to him. And by the way, when you give yourself fully to him, your money's already there right it is and then finally look at 2 Corinthians 9 6 remember this whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly whoever sows generously will also reap generously most people are 
are receiving sparingly because most people are giving sparingly. It's time to change this. You know the reality? Listen to these words. Everyone wants God to supersize their lives without wanting to give God even one fry. Doesn't work that way. God can supersize your life, but he doesn't supersize the lives of selfish people. He supersizes the lives of those who are willing to share. And so over the couple of next couple of weeks, I want to encourage you, you know, take out that all-in book. And on the inside, we give you a sample commitment card. And that's just to be praying over and thinking about. Roxanne and I wrestled with this for a very, very long time. Well, if the truth be known, I wrestled with it a long time, and she didn't wrestle much at all. And here's why. I came and I said, I think God's, you know, and it was a big step. I, I think God's leading us to give this way. And you know what she said? This has just bugged me. She goes, okay. And I went, no, no, you're supposed to tell me, no, that's too much. So that then I can blame you when I stand in front of Jesus that we were so selfish. I was hoping she'd save me from myself. And I'm kidding, but she was all in right away. I wrestled, but I want to encourage you to be doing what I did and praying over this thing and thinking about it. And I want to encourage you to be going through the devotionals that we give you in this book and let God speak to you. Be here for these talks and don't be afraid of taking your next step into God's fullness because that's what you're ultimately living for and looking for. It's a big deal. The only way we can ultimately experience the fullness of God in our lives is by trusting him enough to obey him. It's the only way. And you'll never regret it. That's a promise. Trust him enough to obey him and you'll never regret it. But if you don't obey him, you'll always regret it. It'll leave you where you don't want to be. Let's all stand together. And let's end this time together by worshiping God with those thoughts about trusting and obeying. Thanks for being here.